Welcome to the 99 Celsius Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Quay. Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode features DC educator and natural hair blogger, Morgan Ward. Morgan was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. Her positive spirit makes her a welcome addition to any room. Over the last several years, she's taken a series of leaps that brought her closer to her passion of empowering people to exude their inner beauty. As an educator, she is no stranger to the expression that experience is the best teacher. Childhood rejection led her to a journey of soul searching. A result, an approach to life that demonstrates and educates on the road to confidence. This is Edifying Beauty. Once upon a time, a girl named Morgan was born in Tennessee. A risk taker, can you see how childhood provides a sense of true clarity? A true parody when you see how you're scared to fall down when you get round. The age of adolescence, the pressure that we measure up to stand and set by peers is infectious. Infected by this mind state. Thankful that her mind changed, broke change so she came up, came up so she raised up. Other people in the process inspiring the next generation of the future to choose to uplift instead of insist that we keep in a leader's frame of mental. I'm saying, let's put an end to all that colorism, that patronizing. You think you're better than someone else, you're smarter than someone else, please. We've been there, so hopefully we don't gotta do that to anybody else. Let's do better. It's time to edify beauty. Welcome to the 99 Celsius Podcast. We're back with another episode. I have a special guest in the building, a near and dear (laughs) friend of me, somebody that I've had the opportunity to meet almost a year, actually, a year ago to the date. Mm -hmm. We're getting like pretty close. I don't know what the exact date was, but I know it's it's in this May time frame. So Mm -hmm. uh, with no further ado, welcoming to the show, Morgan (laughs) Ward, aka Curlfriend. Hey, Curlfriend. What's going on? <laughs> nothing much, man. Nothing much. Welcome to the, the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming out. Cool. You feeling good? I feel good. I feel good. I feel real relaxed. You know? Yeah. New day. Beautiful day. Yo, weather's crazy, right? Weather is beautiful. Yeah. We've had trash weather for a minute, so yeah, yeah. it's gorgeous outside. So when uh, I was looking at the, the weather... Mm-hmm. Um, I think yesterday we were supposed to record mm-hmm. and 
It was cold. The weather was all right. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't bad, but it was a little chilly. But today is like... Perfect, again, right? Like, I felt like, oh, yeah, this is what it's supposed to be. Like, this is when we were supposed to record. Yeah, for sure. it's, it's beautiful outside. Like, 70 degrees plus, like, makes you feel good, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Sun shining, so... It's been a beautiful day. It feels good. Right. How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, it's a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are special times for me. You know, I, I um, it's been a lot of a lot of evolution over the last several months for me, mm-hmm. and um, taking the time to enjoy weekends and get myself caring is mm-hmm. so important. And the Saturdays, the weekends, really. And Saturday specifically that I take to slow down, chill in the morning, you know, get like my relaxation in and whatever it is, whether it's like watching TV mindlessly or mm-hmm. just like laying down, mm-hmm. um, that makes all the difference for me Monday through Friday. So, you know, this uh, this particular weekend, I was able to really just chill yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you coming in to, to do this is cool. Got the recording and then, you know, going through the, the whole process of editing the pod and all that. That would be cool. But, you know, getting the time for myself right now is like mm-hmm. super important. So I'm um, glad to have that. It helps me feel recharged. No, I definitely agree. Yeah. Self-care is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely try to do a lot of like quiet time, still time in the morning, yeah. every morning before yeah. I start the day. And then uh, I know I shared with you about yoga, but like I love doing yoga. Every day, if I can, every day. That's real. Yeah, pull up a I've never YouTube. done yoga. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I've heard amazing things about it, and I've gotten the invitation oh, several yeah, times. You gotta do it. Not hot yoga. Make sure it's just a regular. <laughs> I heard hot is crazy. Standard. Hard. Yo, yeah, hot yoga is another level. Yeah. Right? Like, you're hot, right? And that's the point, but like, you're sweating bullets. Everybody's kind of stripping clothes yeah. a little bit. We're like, towels are on the floor. So definitely start with the basics. Okay. You'll be good. Yeah. You got to do it. YouTube. Like, there's plenty of YouTube channels. Yeah, yeah. I feel like anytime, like, meditation type things, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know how much, I I think meditation is a part of it. It's not everything, I think. But just like any meditation thing I've done, I always end up falling asleep. It's like. You got to do something better. You know, you can literally light a candle. So I read this. You can light a candle uh-huh. um, and watch the flame. That should help you kind of focus in your meditation. Oh, snap. Right? They might. Do you do candles? Yeah. Yeah, I, Bath and Body I got Works a candle and, lit right now. Downstairs. Yeah, so just watch the flame. Okay. Maybe like use an app that might support you. Okay. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try that out. Bet. So you said that uh, you started your day with uh, yoga. There was something else you said. Yeah. Uh, devotion. Devotion. Yeah. So... I, it's like quiet time that I spend with myself and God. And so I journal. I play a little music. So like worship time. And I literally write letters to God. Wow. Yeah. And you do this every day? I do this every day. How did you build yeah. that that discipline to do that? Oh, wow. Um, When I started to realize that when I wasn't doing it, I felt really sluggish, tired, disconnected. Wow. Um, I really wasn't as rejuvenated. Um. But when I started to do it consistently, I started to feel a difference as far as like feeling stronger, feeling more motivated. And granted, we have our days, right? Like there are really times where I will feel tired. But when I connect with God on a one-on-one level and I'm being still in his presence and then I'm giving him opportunities to speak to me, that's a whole different level of like self-care. Yeah, you know, that's about to say, that's, that yeah. sounds like the epitome. Yeah, it feels good. Wow. Yeah, it took some training though, I will say that. It took yeah, some time. yeah. A lot of discipline. That's really dope. 
That's inspiring, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, as you know, on the podcast, I always give some context mm-hmm. to how I've met someone and right. what that journey has been like. And then we get into the actual content. So mm-hmm. we met, as I mentioned, about a year ago, mm-hmm. which is crazy because time really, really flies. Bye. Yeah. Um, yo, a year ago, I was in a real different place mm-hmm. as just as a person. And... Um, I had not found full inner peace mm. with myself. And I think there was a lot of brewing aspirations and things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't found like centered. I wasn't centered. And I didn't, I wasn't able to ground myself to like manage anxiety and mm. manage, you know, my thoughts and fears and all of that. So I had met a homegirl, episode five, Rachel, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shout out to Rachel. Um, I met her back in college, but, you know, we had remained connected and she told me, first of all, I saw this change in her life and I'm like, yo, what? Yeah. What is, what is going on? Like Mm -hmm. you are killing everything. Mm -hmm. And she told me, yo, yo, I just did this workshop. Like you should look into it. I'm like, all right, cool. So I signed up for it. She's like, yo, just go in and, you know, be open. I'm like, all right. So I go to this thing in May. I have no idea, like, you know, what this thing is about to be, what it's about to be like. I just mm-hmm. know it's a four-day thing. Mm-hmm. and Aggressive, right? Like, four committed days? Yeah, like four yeah. committed days, yeah. like, you know? So mm-hmm. I remember, like, being, it's a Thursday, and I remember being a little nervous when I'm leaving my crib. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even know. Like, maybe I shouldn't go to this thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, whatever. Like, you signed up. Let's go. So we go. And I meet Morgan at this workshop. (laughs) And a bunch of other really dope people. And I think probably maybe, like, day two or three, Morgan and I, like, really connected. Yeah. Um, One thing that that I really remember about our interaction early on was connecting on the uh, idea of the appearance of intelligence Mm. and the struggles mm-hmm. that exist in in a world where, you know, we c- competency and like, you know, intelligence and wisdom, all of these things are like, most of the time they end up describing or they end up depicting what we, you know, who we believe to have power, who we believe to be successful, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think with that perspective, I think many people fear the idea of not looking like they have it all together and yeah. not being intelligent, et cetera. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think we have both shared kind of experiences having grown up, K through five, K through twelve experiences mm-hmm. and like living in a way where um, you know, we had to overcome some of those uh perspectives that we grew up with that in some ways held us back from achieving everything we could because it was like nervousness about oh well you know I don't know if I really believe in myself and you know it may take me a little bit longer to understand this and I'm afraid someone's judging me you know and um and connecting on that so early was like wow hearing you talk about it I was like wow I feel that way 100 percent yeah and um and I never really heard anyone so openly speak about that experience and then I find out you're an educator <laughs> and that's like, yo, Crazy. that's even doper yeah. that, you know, um, 
you've had that experience and you're now ensuring that the future doesn't have that same experience. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, that's what's important. Like, I think that we get in the cycle of feeling like experts have to be people that are experts in the fa- mm-hmm. in the sense that they've never struggled. They've mm-hmm. never had issues in a particular space. But I think the reality is really like the people that truly live the experience, the ups and the downs mm-hmm. and the highs and the lows throughout are really more equipped because now you understand on an empathetic level what somebody is going through and, and living like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was cool to see. I'm like, Yo, I know that your students are getting, you know, super impacted. And yeah. um, really from that day, we, we connected and it's been love since and, you know, supporting the things that you do and mm-hmm. supporting the things that, that I do. I've always appreciated that. And, uh, and our ability to just kind of remain in touch and keep each other honest about the goals yeah. that we set. Yeah. Um, and then you eventually end up starting a hair channel, um, which is I know dope. from momentum, right? They gave me the momentum to start the channel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, we definitely going to touch on that later mm-hmm. in the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, super proud to see from the beginning of, mm-hmm. of where you were and being unsure kind of about what you mm-hmm. want your contribution to be unsure about how people are receiving you and then getting to a place where like you're now creating and yeah. You're educating in another way, like doing what you do best, but now doing it through a channel and and stuff. So that's really dope. Thank you. That's beautiful. That was like a beautiful like setup, right? Like (laughs) how it just connected from my childhood, right? And how we connected as far as like me being an educator and then moving into another way to impact people and educating them in a different way. That's beautiful. Yeah. Word up. Absolutely. I didn't even really like think about it like that, but to really think about how you said like how we were younger and went through those trials and tribulations of trying to be a perfectionist and trying to act like we know it all. Yeah. But uh, definitely having some moments where, you know, I'm struggling. Like, I don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and being okay with saying that and accepting that was very hard. Right. So yeah. that was definitely one of the reasons why I did go into education for sure. That's right. To kind of like break that barrier of letting children know like it's okay. You know, because we are human. We will make mistakes. You may not know, but let me help you figure out how to get to that, you know knowledge or in game 100 yeah and using that within the pot with well, the podcast within the uh hair channel and maybe podcasts yeah day, i don't right? know like, what, am i just manifesting new things i don't know yeah, um but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's, that's it's a beautiful story right. and it's beautiful to be able to connect with you on that level because you're being very authentic in that moment right and transparent and like you said on thursday had no clue who the people were in that room yeah but to be able to break those barriers and say like, yo, I agree with you. Like that. Ha- oh, me too. Right. Like I had that happened to me. So yeah. Yeah. Word. Crazy. So uh, on that note and speaking about childhood and the impact that yeah. it's had. Yeah. Let's start there. I love okay. to anytime we, we go through the process and the journey, mm-hmm. it's really important for me to understand the context surrounding what was childhood like and mm. in your life early on, because that really in many ways shapes the experience of adulthood first Mm -hmm. of all adolescence and then adulthood um and in some ways the things that we got growing up helped build us up Mm -hmm. so the things that we do in some ways there's things that we end up having to break down because Mm -hmm. of the experiences we had and how they may have held us back in certain ways oh yeah so uh as a kid i would like to say that i was a daredevil in a sense so i just tried things right so i'm 
I'm the person who wanted to go out for this sport or I'm going to jump off of this cliff, you know, um, I'm going to ride my bike down these steps. So just not really being afraid to do things um, and never really thought about what it looked like to people mm. growing up. Um, and so my like, I'm going to give an example. <laughs> so my mom was driving one day. We were going to the grocery store. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just did a picture of the grocery store. And um, I think I might be like maybe five or six. I remember this because I got in mad trouble. <laughs> But we're literally in the grocery store parking lot and the window was down. And so I just felt the urge to unbuckle my seat belt and sit on the window and like hang out the window, (laughs) hang out the window, like just really excited and just like, and I'm like, first of all, you've never seen anybody do this before. What are you doing? Second of all. You could hurt yourself. Like, what's going on? My mom turned around and went off. Of course, stopped the truck and uh, got myself together. But, like, in that moment, I just thought, like, I really just wasn't afraid to try things. I yeah. just really wanted to go for things. Um, so, thinking about, like, being young, um, you know, I did some cheerleading, right? I was really great at math. So, I decided to, like, do things with math, Um but as I got older, I'm thinking, like, I didn't really want to be the girly girl. Mm. You know, so I wanted to try out for basketball. I wanted to do the track team, so I started to run track. Right. That was my thing. I really wanted to get involved within the community. So I thought about, like, joining things with the mayor's youth council or um, volunteering with the Boys and Girls Club, things like that. Yeah. Um, but just really moments of really not just being afraid and just taking risk. Yeah. Now, as I think about that, as I get older, mm-hmm. for some odd reason, I'm kind of like, hey, like, am Where I still that, that fearless? Right? Like, am I really like, am I still that fearless? Am I like not afraid? Can I just be a daredevil? And there are moments that I've definitely been very apprehensive, but I had to remind myself of that little girl who yeah. just wasn't afraid to hang out the window. Well, what do you think it was? Right? Like when you when you think about. Um, you know, where you were and how you grew up. Mm-hmm. First of all, to set the context, you're, this was Tennessee, right? Yeah, okay. this is Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised. Born and raised, right? Born and raised. Okay, so you're you're in, it sounds like maybe some soil that kind of cultivated mm-hmm. this environment for you mm-hmm. where you felt comfortable to take risks in a wild way like that. Mm. Is there anything you can pinpoint maybe that helped you, that helped support that? And maybe it sounds some of it was innate, mm-hmm. but... It also sounds like, in addition to this being your innate nature, like mm-hmm. it sounded like you were consistently doing it, right? Yeah. So was there anything that maybe supported that? I mean, I think about, um, I guess like my family really supporting me and kind of pushing me. Like my mom and my dad were really strong and supportive. But I have an older sister who's like a major mentor for me. Right. Um, and growing up, we were complete opposites, right? But as we've gotten older... She's like my go-to best friend person. Yeah. And so I think in having that sense of not being afraid to try things, like she was the epitome of that and um, really motivated me to want to seek things, try new things and to not really be afraid. And so I think for sure. Big sister's influence. My big sister definitely yeah. had a major impact on who I am today. And of course, with the support of my mom and my dad and my family. Um, I even could even say like my sister cousins is what we call and call ourselves. So mm-hmm. really close with my older cousins as well. Um, I am the baby of the family, <laughs> of course. And so 
they definitely all took me under their wing and kind of showed me the ropes yeah. on how to do things, how to face things. But there were many moments where I had to, of course, do them by myself. But I think having that support and that influence from my older cousins and my big sister definitely kind of shifted some things in me. Right. And helped me to achieve a lot. That's real. Yeah. So what what was it emotionally mm-hmm. about the feeling of being a risk taker that gave you thrill? Mm-hmm. The emotions. I think it was just the high of really going for something. Yeah. Um, not really thinking about the outcome, but just knowing that I was doing something that I really wanted to do in that moment. Yeah. And being open to if I fail or if I succeed, whatever the outcome is, I'm doing it. I want to do it. Um, and that kind of, I think, really drove me to kind of think like, I guess I'm just thinking like if it's something I really wanted to do, I just got to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so outcome didn't stop you at that point. Not at that point, no. Yeah. No. Do you remember, you know, <laughs> when you got to like what point it was where outcomes started to to matter more mm. to you? Wow. Outcome started to matter more. I think, I think maybe high school. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Outcome started to matter most. Um, that is when, you know, people are real cruel and critical. Mm-hmm. You know, you get honest friends and friend, people who aren't really your friends. But I think that I started to want to present myself in a certain, a certain way. Yeah. Um, so how I looked, how I act, how I carried myself, I wanted to be this person. But I had to really realize, like, if this, is this who you truly are or is this who you want people to think you are mm. so I think about like you know how I speak or I can't associate with certain people or what I put on or where I come from I ended up I think about high school I ended up going to not my zone school so I my mom didn't want me to go to my zone school at the time and I was heartbroken because all my friends were at the school that was like maybe five minutes up the street from where we lived right. but she ended up making me go to for my better judgment right for hers I think um to a school that was about 30 minutes away. Um, I had to meet brand new friends. Mm. I had to become some person that I really didn't really know who I was. Um, I went through a moment of really self-reflecting and trying to discover what that looked like and what that meant. Yeah. Um, and so I created, you know, this person where I was like, you know, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. Let me just see if people will adapt to that or not yeah. in high school. Yeah. And I think I ended up going middle school all the way up into high school. Um, okay, so, oh, so this new school is in middle school. Yeah. So it okay. started seventh grade. Okay. And then high school, I think, was the moment where it was like a pivotal moment of, I guess, kind of where I kinda, it mattered to me. Right. Image was important. Image was important. So yeah. one thing that, that stuck out that was interesting to me is it sounds like you... I almost feel like when you create a new identity mm-hmm. that implies that there's knowledge of an older identity, mm-hmm. right? So it's like this conscious choice to say, I was like this mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be like this or mm-hmm. I want to be like this. Mm-hmm. And so when you reflect on, you know, the elementary school and mm-hmm. middle school self that you were, mm-hmm. what were those things? What was that identity? I know risk taking was one of the things that you had yeah. mentioned, but- what else did you find was really a part of your DNA? So I'm thinking about like I was a really friendly person. So I just wanted friends. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted everybody to be cool with me. 
Um, so I was real social, I think, or at least I thought I was, right? Um, but I ent- I encountered a lot of moments with girls and guys that really weren't truly my friends. Mm. Um, and so I had to go through a moment of realizing, wow, this is so funny thinking about this, realizing that like I may give, 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 but in return, people may not give me that same like love and support and friendship. Yeah. Um, and so as I got older, I still, of course, kept a, a major big heart, right, and open. But I started to sift through people and realize, like, I'm not going to change who I am to fit the mode of this friendship. Um, and so I'm not going to let you pick on me. I'm not going to let you say certain things. So I, really what comes to mind, I think about a lot of the conversations of, you know, like, oh, you're you're pretty for, for a dark-skinned girl. Or, oh, like, oh, she's cool, you know. Um, but then I started to shift and be like, I'm pretty regardless or I'm cool regardless. And I'm not going to change who I am just to be a part of this friendship or right. this this friend group. So as I got older, I decided to feel more comfortable with being like, oh, OK, if I say this or if I do this, that's just who I am. Yeah. And that's OK. Yeah. Um, and if you don't like it or if you don't want to be my friend, that's fine, too. But I've literally I feel like I've always been like this happy, nice, bubbly person. So maybe a, a little sense of naiveness, I guess, um, mm. to say like. Really being naive in moments where it's like, is she really your friend, Mo? Like, are you sure? And even knowing that I still would want to be friends with people regardless. Um, dig a dig a little deeper there. Like, why do you think that is? Ooh, I think for moments for me, I think I, I wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to feel, you know, like people liked me or that I, w- I was um, like a cool person, I guess, in a sense. Right. I'm not saying I really had trouble making friends, but I know that there were definitely moments where people really weren't my friend and they were just there for the moment yeah. or would pick on me for the moment or would make fun of me behind my back, but be cool with me in my face kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting time period, right? Like yeah. I, I'd agree that there's so much riding on the idea of acceptance mm-hmm. and um, for some reason, the abundance of acceptance is always so appealing, mm. especially at that like middle school, high school time mm. period in life. I think it's like, <laughs> it's like, yo, you, you got, you got like a good amount of good friends, you know yeah. what I mean? But it's like, nah, like I need everyone to yeah. really love me and yeah. like, I need everyone to be a close friend and like everyone to hold me down and for me to hold everyone down. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, as you are kind of learning and, and creating this this identity mm-hmm. um, at that time period. I feel like so much of it, for anyone really, at least at some point during that those formative years, mm-hmm. tend to be centered around the idea of like gaining acceptance and really securing approval mm-hmm. from the people around us mm-hmm. in order to almost validate our worth. Mm-hmm. So when you weren't, when you did come across those people mm-hmm. that, Mm. almost made you feel like oh wait i don't know if they're my friends yeah what did it do to you um from like a confidence perspective that's good so uh it definitely shot my confidence for sure and it definitely made me go through a season of feeling like i wasn't worthy or i did something wrong or i should fix this about myself so that they can accept me so they can be my friend um so they can be around me or think that I'm cool or, you know, I'm the person that they want to be friends with. 
So it was a lot of moments of self-doubt, yeah, for sure. A lot of moments of comparison. A lot of seasons of thinking I wasn't enough and not um, just really trying to figure out what was wrong with me that made people. Because I, again, thought that I was a really friendly person. I thought that I was really nice to everybody. And I always have been, right? Yeah. So was, my thought process was like, well, if I'm nice to you, why are you not nice back to me, right? Like, if I'm loyal to you, you should be loyal to me. If I'm cool with you, you should be cool with me. If I've never done X, Y, and Z to you, then you should not do the same to me in return. But I had to realize through life, like, that's just not how things work, you know? And so I can give, 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 and I can have this big heart, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get that in return. Mm. And so I had to also realize that even though I wasn't getting that in return, it's okay. Like, I just can't get it from that person. It doesn't mean I'm not worthy of being a great person or having great friends. It was more so, I I think, making me think like, they just don't need to have my friendship right. or I don't need to be a part of this friend group that there is someone else or other people that you can be cool with. It just doesn't need to be somebody who's not there to support you or who may tear you down. Um, and really made me realize like I am still worthy or I am still a great person, even though you can't see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. And did you discover this around that same time period or is this like oh, a later yeah. in life lesson? I honestly went through these weird phases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say maybe they were like every four years when something pivotal would happen. So the beginning of freshman year in high school, and then the same thing happened again at the beginning of freshman year in college where I went through a moment of who am I? Like, who are my friends? Who do I want to be? Or is this who I am? And like, if is that okay? Like what's going on? And me and my mom, my mom was my rock in this moment. And I would go to her, and I would just be like, Mama, having a moment. Like, I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to be normal. I don't know how to be comfortable, confident myself. And she would reinfer- reaffirm in me who I was. Um, and just would talk to me and just be normal with me. Like, what's going on? Like, are you okay? And just reaffirm who I was and who I can be. Yeah. Um, and really just kind of letting me know, like, whatever you are going through, it's the season. It's a moment. It's momentary. Or it's a moment. Um, and you can push through it, right? Yeah. And so... Literally, I can remember, uh, I think the last time I went through that probably was when I moved here to D.C. In the Maryland area, after coming from Tennessee, I went through a season of like, oh, my God, I'm starting over. You know, like, I don't have any friends, maybe like one or two, but they're like not my go-to people. So I had to break out of that comfort zone of like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Like, just try some new things. So going back to the whole daredevil mindset, right? Like, mm-hmm. take some risks. Call some people. See how they're doing. See if you can connect with them. Um, and that was definitely a pivotal moment for sure of realizing like I'm an adult in this moment. I'm on my own and you've been here before so you can get through this moment again. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Wow. It's interesting how, um, life is cyclical Mm -hmm. in nature Mm -hmm. where like I almost find that, you know, many times we end up kind of relearning Mm. the same messages, the same ideas or philosophies mm-hmm. um over and over again and reinforcing themselves in different ways mm-hmm. which is really interesting like you you know were a daredevil early on to kind of lose that for it to come back yeah right and when yeah. when in a new space and you have to challenge yourself to lose it to yeah. again kind of in this new space have to dig deep to do it again yeah um and it's like every time you learn it with a different frame of mind and perspective and it becomes more and more relevant in your life 
wherever the new environment is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always really fascinating to me. Sometimes, like, I'll even look back with myself. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you, this new thing you've been talking, the language may be a little different, but it's actually really similar to this thing you wrote three, four, five years ago, yeah. right? Or like, yeah. this book that you were reading years ago. It's yeah. kind of like the same knowledge and information that finds themselves to us in different ways, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. I even think, too, like, when I journal, I kind of go back and reflect on those moments, too. And that's a great reminder yeah. to be like, oh, I've been here before. Or look what I wrote down here. And let's, I mean, it came to pass, yeah. right? Or this is how I got through this moment. So maybe I could pray about that again or I could use these tools again. So it definitely comes back around. It sounds like you had some introspection mm-hmm. about yourself for most of your life, like, you know, kind of reflecting on the friendships that you have mm-hmm. and whether or not they were serving you and what decisions mm-hmm. you needed to make and understanding what was healthy for you. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to get an understanding of maybe where some of that awareness had had come from. The awareness of realizing these people weren't my friends? Yeah, and just just <laughs> the, the idea of being aware in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many people I think that go through life without really taking a pulse check. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, wait. Is this is whatever is around me? Is that is this what's supposed to be around me? And do I need to be around this? And mm. um, is anything here making me uncertain? And mm-hmm. you know, because what's actually interesting as I'm hearing you speak about your experiences mm-hmm. is it sounds like your family was rather supportive in yeah. affirming you. Yeah, and a lot of times we see just from like the psychology work that I've, you know, I've been interested in books and like therapy and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. uh, You tend to see a lot of um, scenarios where sometimes when people don't get the affirmation um, in their immediate surrounding, then they, they tend to like seek it in other environments. But in this case, it it sounds like you got good affirmation from your immediate environment. Yeah. So what was it, you know, how did you become aware about Mm. your desire to maybe seek affirmation in the outside world? I really think about when I was probably eight and I was at the boys and girls club. Um, And so that was like a major thing, right? In the summertime, everybody go kick at the boys and girls club. But there was a season there again of like meeting new people. Who am I going to be in this moment? Um, Where I had to decipher between like who I wanted to be, but also who I wanted to be around. And if they were serving me in that moment and I wasn't using that language then, but yeah, I think the affirmations came in that season as well from my mom and my dad. Um, And I think about like a friendship group that there were some different girls from different parts of the city. Right. And so I'm trying to be cool with them in this moment. I'm trying to be friends with them. I'm trying to hang out with them, but they were definitely not receiving me. Like they just continue to push, push, push. Um, And in that moment I had to realize like, okay, these aren't the girls for me, yeah. you know, like, and that's okay. Yeah. It hurts. It kind of sucks. You know, I'm a little girl. I want to be friends with people, but I had to realize in that moment too, like my mom and my dad had been instilling me like, you are a sweet person. You are a wonderful, smart girl. You are beautiful. And reminded me of that often. Yeah. I, I do. I strictly remember my mom always said things? that. Ooh, um, ooh, that's a good question, Mark. I think... There were moments where I might have believed those things. Um, And then there were definitely moments where I didn't. So if my mom and dad said that I was smart, you know, or I'm beautiful or I'm um, this type of girl or person and I will be an amazing, strong black woman one day, 
there were definitely moments where I would meet people who would make me feel like that wasn't the case. You know, whether that be a relationship or whether that may be a friendship. I can definitely think about the Boys and Girls Club days where I had some friends who, um, or I thought were my friends, um, would go behind my back and say certain things like, she's not a cute girl or she's not a pretty girl. And so there was a season of not thinking that I, thinking that I was a pretty because, again, of the color of my skin. Um, it, was a, it was a thing back then, you know, yeah. like levels of the shades of being darker, brown skin, light skin. And to be very transparent, I think that that has definitely stuck with me for a while through my life yeah. of not being, or let's say this, for, or being pretty for a dark skin girl has definitely been conversations that I've had. And even though my mom and my dad and my sister and friends um, or family may have said, like, you are a gorgeous person, like, in the back of my mind, like, there has been people who didn't think that. Yeah. Um, and so definitely a moment of me not thinking that I was pretty enough or worthy enough because I was dark skinned or because of what I looked like. Um, I even got moments of your dark skin with pink lips, like who could like her or who could think that she's pretty. And I heard somebody say they was indirectly. Somebody told me this. um, I was in high school. There was even seasons of wow, where I, if I think about dating and um, I wasn't really dating a lot of people in high school. And there was a, a rumor going around that I was gay in high school because I wouldn't date anybody. Mm. Um, and one of my best friends told me that at the time, like, you know, this is going on. This was, and I'm like, how is that the case? Like I, just because I don't date anybody doesn't mean that I like girls. It's not, and it, there's nothing wrong with that. But the, I think my mindset was more so they were tearing me down because I wasn't this person that they wanted me to be. Or I wasn't doing what other people may have been doing. Right. Um, and so all those things that my mom and dad may have said, like, you are a beautiful girl. You are worthy of this and that. I didn't believe it in those moments because people were telling me otherwise. Yeah. Um, One thing that, that stuck out to me that you mentioned is yeah. it kind of sounded like the first sense of, of that rejection yeah. may have come from, it sounds like more of like your peers, right? Yeah. Like it, it didn't sound like it was, oh, there's this guy I really liked that, um, you know, told me I was ugly or whatever. Mm. It was, it sounded like it was almost the you know, the, uh, the sisterhood. Sisterhood as far as like what they're in the friend groups? Or? Within, well, I guess the idea that it may have been groups of young women versus, yeah. um, you know, maybe male counterparts or yeah. a romantic interest. Yeah, I, def- I definitely could say that for sure. I think it was a groups of girls that I thought, you know, were near and dear to my heart who I thought were I was cool with and who I had a genuine friendship with tore down, um, the things that were affirmed in me yeah. as a young woman. Yeah, absolutely. And that I saw, and I used to seek, you know, friend groups after that. Of course, like I, I have this idealized mindset of, I want a friend group, you know, where we can kick it and we can brunch and we can travel. Um, and having some that are really loyal that you can consider like sisters for sure. Yeah. I definitely went through some friend groups and I think um, that definitely played a part for sure. Right. When I was younger. So there's this trace of kind of um, some insecurity mm-hmm. in a couple of different areas, right? So mm-hmm. one of them, um, you know, being the area of like beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the other as far as like intelligence mm-hmm. and, um, you know, maybe your ability to perform academically or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Where did where did the that side come from? Um. So I think that that definitely came from my relationship 
with my sister. My sister is extremely smart. Um, and so growing up, to me, things just came easy to her. Mm. And so, you know, she definitely studied a lot. She read a lot. And she would also hang out and kick it with her friends. But, like, the things that she pursued academically were very, um, I, to, again, to my perspective, she was successful in. And so uh, early on, we used to go to the same school. But then we ended up going to separate schools and she ended up going to a magnet school, which is like a school that is focused on mathematics, reading, some sort of like academic focus. And I ended up continue go- continuously going to my public school. Mm. And when I tried to apply to go to the magnet schools, I didn't get in. Mm. And so she got in early on and I was still steady going to the same public school. And so in my mind, I didn't really think that that was a thing because my mom and dad did a great job of being like, oh, you're in school. You both are both smart. The affirmations, right? Like you're still intelligent. But I never thought like us going to separate schools and her um, having, I guess, the opportunity to go to a magnet school, me not going to magnet school made a difference in my ability to think that I was intelligent. Um, but from that moment, I believe like, and again, like to this moment, like my sister's a doctor. And so she's got her master. She's been chief of residence. Like she's very successful and she's an amazing person and role model. And it's never made me feel less of a person because of who she is and because of who I am. And the same goes with my family. But I think for me, when I would try to do things and would not succeed, it was a major shot to my intelligence. Um, and so there was a season where in sixth grade, before I applied to go to another magnet school, I kept applying. Of course, my mom tri- kept putting me in the lottery. Um, I wasn't the strongest reader. Mm-hmm. I could read. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I just read a little slower than yeah. other people. I can relate. And so um, <laughs> I basically took like, it was like the little, the end of the year test. I think it was like TCAT was what we called it. I just rushed through the entire test because I knew I wasn't going to have enough time to actually get through it. And so I just rushed through it. I answered the questions. And because of that, the next year I was put into a lower level reading class. And so that's another shot, you know, to my intelligence of me thinking like, dang, like you're not smart enough. Like you're not intelligent enough. Like you don't really know this X, Y, and Z. And so having to prove to myself, like, yes, you are, you should be in this class. Um, you should, you're, you're able to do more than what you're telling yourself, even though, you didn't get into that magnet school, even though you failed this class, even though you're in the lower level reading course. Yeah. That was definitely a season of me thinking I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't intelligent enough. I wasn't capable. And then I can even think um, when I applied to college, actually, I got denied. I got mm. denied, um, which was, again, a, like a complete major shot yeah. to the affirmations that my family had instilled in me. And um, I had to take a moment again in that moment to just be still. I talked to my family about it. I talked to my cousin who was already there. Um, I prayed about it. And ironically, I ended up reapplying. I had a dream that I was going to the school. So I'm like, maybe I am going to the school. Mm. Like, I got denied. It's I don't powerful. know. But I had a dream that I was actually at the school. And I, my cousin was there. She was introducing me, people walking me around. And so I decided to reapply. And I ended up getting into the school. Wow. Um, 
And that so was that to go was, like the next year or that was to go to that same year. So my, oh, wow. yeah. So That's crazy. after I got denied, maybe like a, a month after, like they accepted me because I decided to reappeal and I needed that boost of confidence. Yeah. I needed that moment to realize like you will fail in some moments, but there are also moments where you can push through that failure and succeed. Yeah. And so I can't be afraid of those failures or to fail. That's right. Yeah. I'm going I'm to put you on something too. Yeah. Um, which uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if you hit. Um, have you ever heard of uh, the theory of multiple intelligences? I feel like I have, but elaborate. What's up? Okay. So <laughs> now it's just interesting. I was just having this conversation with uh, a friend the other day and I just feel like there'd be value in saying it. Um, there's a psychologist that exists. Mm-hmm. I want to say his name is Howard Gardner. Mm-hmm. And he came up with this theory that people can be intelligent in different areas, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And when I hear your story, mm-hmm. everything, every example you gave of falling short mm-hmm. of not being quote unquote intelligent was, they were all scholastic areas. Mm-hmm. They were all academic scholarly type subjects. Yeah, The ability to read information and regurgitate or retain whatever the lesson is of that and yeah. be able to choose multiple choice or to be able to write on it, et cetera. Yeah. It all tests the same skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in our school systems, more times than not, all of our content academically, even if the subject area itself is testing different areas of, um, of understanding, it all goes back to the same idea of communicating, whether it be verbally or written, what you believe the answer is or what your thought process is mm-hmm. for the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, let me give, you, give some examples for, for some clarity. Yeah. His theory is that there are at least seven modalities. I don't remember all of them, but I'll say some. Okay. There's visual spatial, which are people that have the ability to see in like three dimensions. Like they, they see those things easily. Think like architects. I have a story of one day I was playing... Uh, I met with this math teacher mm-hmm. and a friend of mine, and he was like trying to figure out what we were good at. And he made us play three-dimensional tic-tac-toe. Mm. So it was imagining playing tic-tac-toe on a cube that was also filled with layers, mm-hmm. right? So there was, a, it's, you draw it on paper, you do a, you know, a three-by-three board, right? Mm-hmm. But there's nine boards, and so you can win on the surface of any given area of the cube, but you could also win through going through the planes of the cube. Mm. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that playing this tic-tac-toe thing in three dimensions mm-hmm. required a completely different ability to process information Yeah, that I did not have. I remember doing that game and being super frustrated and like whoever I was playing with like killed me. Um, so visual spatial is one thing, yeah. right? Um, there's also uh, verbal linguistics, yeah. which are people that, you know, really understand English. And then there's, uh, I think, like, m- maybe mathematical or, like, yeah, reason logical musical, or something like that sort. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's something with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's bodily kinesthetic, which you think, like, your athletes and such. Yeah. And the example I always give with that is that with the bodily kinesthetic, those people more than most really understand physics, Mm. right? They understand if I'm running or if I'm driving this car at 
160 miles per hour think you're NASCAR drivers. Mm -hmm. And they know how much they need to accelerate, when to let off the gas, when to hit the brake, and how much to hit it for. They understand physics in a way that is so real. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some of them, if they were to sit down and take a physics exam or course, may not be able to, to demonstrate that knowledge that they actually have in everyday life. Yeah. So... What I've noticed about our school system is that it tends to, regardless of the subject, it tends to really highlight people's intelligence um, in really one area. Mm -hmm. And because school is such a predominant part of our life, we end up feeling like we're not intelligent when really we're being evaluated in one particular area. Right. There's also intrapersonal and interpersonal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. modes of intelligence. Right. So there's all these different ways that people can be intelligent individuals. But our school system really assesses us in one area and one area only. Yeah. Um, And so many people end up feeling like they don't have ability. Yeah. There's a saying that um, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. Mm. Right. And. When you reflect on, you know, your your journey as an educator, you probably have extremely good interpersonal. You really understand the people that you're working with and what works with them. Right. And how to communicate the ideas for them to be able to absorb it and to ensure that you're empowering them and giving them confidence. Mm -hmm. You know who's not giving their best effort. You know how to engage someone to to not shut down. Right. There's all this this knowledge that you have. But typically, there's nothing in our world around us that one evaluates us on those abilities, mm-hmm. and then two, we don't really celebrate them. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I find it really interesting. Just as I'm as I'm hearing what you you're speaking on, you're like, oh, you know, I didn't feel like I was intelligent. I had this sister that was yeah, yeah, she was great scholastically, absolutely. But there are also other areas that make us intelligent people that school systems as is right now don't really evaluate. There's no, there's nothing that acts as to journal and talk about (laughs) our day and how well we really understand our emotions. Yeah. But that's valuable. It is. And as an adult, if you can't fully process and understand your emotions, then that's also something that needs to be worked on Mm -hmm. the same way that growing up, if you didn't understand certain math concepts, there are probably things that need to be worked on. Right. Right. Um, so there's definitely a, a bias that exists. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And I, it's beautiful to say because now that you said that, I actually took the test recently. Mm. Um, and so definitely intrapersonal was one of my strengths as an educator and as somebody who makes relationships and connects with my students. Um, mathematics was a strength as well. And I believe it might have been like the spatial one or maybe the kinesthetic oh, yeah, you one. draw, so I believe Yeah, that. you know, so <laughs> yeah. like that's just one of my areas where I, that we don't highlight, right? Because we only think about the scholastic component. And if I would have known these things as a young child, right, and I could have tapped into them, it makes you wonder what else I could have done. Mm-hmm. What other avenues I could have went into. What my belief of who I am and who I was at that, at that, at that point in my life, excuse me, um, could have shifted who I could have become. Yeah. I'm not saying like I'm in a terrible space, but I am saying that like if we could tap into those things within the educational system at a young age and use that in the hand of development process, I think it could definitely shift a lot of young minds. Yeah, that's real. For By sure. the way, I mean, um, uh, mathematical, logical, yeah. um, visual, spatial, and um, 
just the fact that I know you draw yeah. and, uh, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe look into architecture. You know, I thought about that yeah. when I went into college. Because I went to college like, man, what am I going to be? I have no clue. But I did think about architecture. Yeah. I did. Not saying that, you know, that I guess Avenue is not closed. Yeah, it's not. Because I guess my mindset now is too like when you get a degree, most people think like you have to stick to that degree. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to open up my mindset to say like, oh, I could try other things. Yeah. Even though I have this degree in education, I could do something else that I enjoy, which could be you know, in drawing, Absolutely. architecture, yeah. you know, I'm so young. You yeah. Know? <laughs> 100%. Got time. Real. Yeah. So where did this love for educating come from? It's a beautiful question. So my grandmother was an educator and my father actually was as well. He was, he's an art teacher. So that's where I get the art, the art components, mm. the ability to draw. Shout out to my dad. <laughs> um, but their passion, both of them, definitely had a hand in me wanting to be an educator and so my grandmother was an educator for over 30 years which is amazing because I think back then they didn't have the advances that we have now in education and they didn't have the ability to do things that we can do to impact our children um but there was definitely a season I will say to be very transparent with you where I had no clue of what I wanted to do right and I would volunteer at church working with the kids, you know, in the back. I might do things with them or babysit children. And people would tell me, like, you should be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So people like, were seeing this Yeah, they, this were seeing, they, they saw something that I couldn't see. Yeah. And I was like, nah. Like, Why do you think you didn't see it? I... Did you I want honestly, to see it? I didn't. I don't think I wanted to see it because there was also the simulation that teachers don't make enough, right? And so my mindset going into college was, if I can go to a university that has a lot of colleges, I could be anything I want to be. Yeah, and I could make money, right? Like right. that was the goal at eighteen. Everybody wants to make money, um, be successful, and I didn't realize then that that wasn't everything. Um, so. I came out the gate like, I'm going to go into chemistry. You know, I'm going to be a pharmacist. You know, they make great money. Why not? Got into chemistry class and was like, what in the world? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. It yeah. was terrible. Um, and I kept thinking about what people say, like, yo, you should be a teacher. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to be a teacher. Like, they don't make any money. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I kept fighting it. I yeah. kept fighting it. I would talk to my dad about it. And he actually got out of education. But my grandmother, I would talk to her about it as well. And she would just kind of be like, you know, you should pray about it, kind of see. But, you know, you're probably going to be a teacher, Morgan. Like, And I'm like, ah, granny, like, I don't want to be, you know, I'm just, again, I'm fighting it. But when I started to look into the educational realm, college opportunities, everything just aligned. It made sense. I would get these scholarships. I would have these opportunities to work in internships. I could be teacher, a teacher and I could go to school. It was the ability to work with the children yeah. um, that I didn't realize that, that this clicked. It felt good. It felt natural. I felt excited. I had a passion to do it that I didn't know was within me the entire time that people could see that I couldn't see within myself. Because yeah. again, I was running from it, 100% running. But um, when I decided to be obedient and I just, I decided to align and just be like, okay, all right, let me, let me see what education is talking about. I loved it. And where is this on the uh, timeline? This was, ooh, I think sophomore year okay. of college. She's already in school and you're pursuing I was pharmacy, yeah. chemistry. Mm-hmm. Pharmacy, then, chemistry, I was going to make this money. Yeah. I was I was adamant, but it was not working for me, Mark. 
it's a struggle, okay? Yeah. It was a major struggle. Um, but I ended up literally going to the educational counselor. And she supported me the entire way through with my classes, with scholarships, with um, opportunities to have internships. Um, I ended up becoming a big brother, big sister. And so that was an avenue to work with children. I was in the classrooms. I was in the school. And it felt good. And yeah. I was like, okay, all right, let me let me just say yes and stop saying no and stop fighting this. So you knew about yeah. sophomore year, like this is this is where it's at. This is yeah. the purpose. Yeah, that was sophomore year. Um after I graduated school, I ended up going back to school in education and had a, a challenging time, a challenging time, excuse me, finding a job. Ironically, I was like, oh, I can't find no job. I'm gonna say yes to this career and I can't find a job. Um but another make moment. you like were you like oh, oh no see I shouldn't have done yeah, this. Yeah, like, oh absolutely. Yeah. It was a moment of doubt of like this is why I didn't want to go into education. Like this shouldn't be this hard. If I thought everybody wanted an educator. Right. Um but I had another I had a dream. I had another dream. Dang. I know, I know. I had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I let me say this. I will say that I come from a family who is very spiritually connected with God. And so they told me early on that I would have dreams that possibly could come to fruition. Um, and that was just a way for me to connect with God. But some dreams, you know, are weird dreams. Like, of course they wouldn't. But this was a dream that I, that definitely happened. So I had a dream that I ended up meeting a principal. And I had been subbing at her school. And she was like, you know, I know that you are looking for an educational job. I know you want to be in the classroom. I also know that you haven't applied. You know, I know that. You didn't actually give me your resume or anything, but I want to hire you. Wow. And I was like, what? And so the dream this felt is in so the dream. This is in the dream. Okay. And this was, um, I was in my graduate school year. This might've been like in April. And so I'm like, okay, I'm getting a job. You know, like this dream is letting me know it's going to happen. And it didn't happen. Okay. Like we're going months, months, months. So I ended up um, graduating from graduate school. Couldn't find a job. Ended up going into subbing. And I was like, okay, well, let me just, let me sub until somebody wants to hire me. Right. Um, I got very discouraged and I uh, immediately discounted that dream. It was like, that's not going to happen. However, the entire year went through. So I graduated in May. That entire year, December, I was subbing, couldn't find a job. January came around. And this lady that I had been subbing for was like, hey, um, I know you want a job. I'm actually leaving do you want to take my position? Wow. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, like, I know you've been subbing. My kids love you. You've been here often. You're on our permanent sub list. So she was like, let me connect you with the principal. Went to the principal. She was like, I would like to hire you. I know you haven't applied. Why? I know that um, you're looking for a position, but she's leaving. Would you like to take over? And I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Like I was ecstatic, and that was and that was that was basically God. I think telling me, and I think that dream was a confirmation to say like, "Yo, relax. Yeah. Like I got you. Like I've already showed you what's gonna happen. I know you're gonna go through this process and this journey, but I need you to relax. Like it's gonna happen wow. when it needs to happen. That's wild. And I ended up getting a job, and I've been teaching ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy, right? Another dream. And- that's crazy. <laughs> So you started off teaching when yeah. you still in Nashville? Yeah, I started in. Okay. Well, I did a, a full year in Knoxville, and then I went to Nashville, and I taught for about four and a half years. Okay. And then I came here to D.C. to teach. So what was behind that decision? Ooh, to move to D.C.? Yeah. Ooh. So 
I always wanted to move away. I will honestly say, like, I've always wanted to leave Nashville. Um, born and raised, I, my mindset was like, I can come back. Like, it's cool. But I had family that's here. So I had top three locations. Atlanta. I thought Texas. I even thought California. And then I thought, um, well, top four, I guess, D.C. And so my mindset was like, yo, if I move somewhere, I do want to be around family. Family is important to me. I value my family, um, that connection. And if I can't be at home, I need somebody somewhere else I can go. You know, home cooked meals, you know, <laughs> connecting something with my family. So I took a leap of faith. Um, I just started to apply. My first thought was to apply out of the country as well. So I thought about um, teaching children English in Italy. And ended up actually getting that. And then the other option was to come here in D.C. Um, and I just applied to KIPP. I kept applying, I kept applying or whatever. Went through the process. But my thought was, I have to get out of Nashville while I'm still young, while yeah. I still can. And I want to go somewhere where I know I have a support system. Yeah. Um, and so I just jumped. Wait, so, so you had family here? Yes, already. I had family here. So that yeah. helps. And then my cousin actually was a support because she was like, yeah, I'll go with you. You know, of course, like I got you. And then my, one of my best friends came and then I actually kind of met some people. So it aligned. It yeah. felt good. Yeah. And I love the DMV area. It's great. You you didn't feel that way when you first got here, though. Ooh. Well, you know, nah. Yeah. I, I remember you were like, <laughs> you were like, I don't really know. I was unsure because I didn't. I think when you get older, it's kind of hard to navigate friendships and where you want to be in life without. It's, it made me feel like I was starting over, basically. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to start over. But I knew that I didn't want to stay in Nashville. But when I got here, it was definitely hard. I had my family for like a couple of days and that was great. But when they left, like it sunk in, like yeah. you're by yourself. This is official. You can't go home. You can't just drive home. Um, so I had to take that daredevil approach and I started contacting people that I knew were here, but we weren't like close, close. We were cool. Um, and that definitely helped me meet new people and then momentum helped. And then my job helped. Um, I met people through people. So I had like a connecting friend who would say, Oh, I got a homegirls here. Like, here's her number, hit her up. And I'm like, Normally when I would say no, like yeah. I'm not hitting her up. Like right. you don't have any friends. Right. Like text her, sis. Like relax, like contact her. So yeah, it, it took some time, but I have a great friend group now. So yeah. it feels good. You yeah. feel you're at home now. Ooh, home a little bit. Home home away from home? Home away from home. Yeah. Yeah. So you see yourself here for some time? I can see at least five years. Yeah. You know, and then maybe somewhere else. But I think because I have moved here, then I can move anywhere. I definitely have that motivation yeah. and that push for sure. Right. And so um, from a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. things are relatively the same in mm-hmm. education, more or yeah. less doing uh, the same kind of work, impactful work with students, yeah, young children. Mm-hmm. There are some entrepreneurial things that have sparked up for you within the last year. Yeah. Um, when I met you, you were in a completely different place mm-hmm. as far as, I mean, you were an educator and you were unsure of whether or not you wanted to continue that route. Yeah. Um, and you were like, yeah, I'm looking for something else, something that fills me up. And yeah. even if it's on the side and I know now how the story unfolds, but mm-hmm. you know, take me back a year yeah. where you were and what you were thinking. And let's kind of walk through how you got to this place now. And let's talk about your amazing project. Sure. So, uh, about a year ago, 
my cousin kept saying like, yo, you should document your hair journey. You should start a YouTube channel. I'm like, nah, like my hair is cool, but it's not like dope, like what I've seen, you know, and I felt like it was an oversaturated process, but, um, she just kept saying like, I think you should start it. Like if you want to start a YouTube channel, I'm here. And so she kind of dropped that in my like spirit and my thoughts. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, I went through this journey of realizing like, I really enjoyed doing my hair and I really enjoyed the process of me going from being natural straight, um, or like with the perm and really straight to like naturally embracing my natural curl pattern. And I also realized that, sorry, real quick, was that something that was new for the embracing or yeah. Like had you, had you gone back and forth before or, okay. So you, you, you had, you were wearing your naturally curly hair as well Mm -hmm. earlier. It's earlier when you want me to break it down or what you mean? Yeah, right, break it down. <laughs> I mean, so uh, so I've been natural straight for a while, right? So no no product, no creamy crack in there. I just was straightening and I was straightening every day. Like I was, I would consider myself the flat iron queen, you know, like, and I would do, I would literally help people flat iron their hair. Yeah. So this was probably college. Okay. This was college. Um, and before... I guess right after that, people started to embrace their natural curls. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I really like my hair straight. Um, but can, then, we, can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah. What course. do you think fueled resistance? You're like, nah, like, I, I know you liked your, your hair straight. Yeah, it, but- took, it took a minute to embrace the curls. So I think for me, I liked the way my hair looked when it was straight. I felt beautiful. I felt like it was... Um, a process that I really enjoyed to do, or I really enjoyed doing, excuse me, um, as well as like getting my hair done. I liked straight hair and I liked my hair to be as straight as possible, you know, maybe with a little bump and a curl, a little body, but I really didn't see myself having the natural curly hair. And if I did, I was thinking more of a wavy kind of curl, not realizing that I didn't know my curl pattern. I didn't know what my hair would look like curly. I just knew that's something I wasn't interested in doing. Yeah. And then the world kind of shifted and there was like a whole moment of everybody embracing who they naturally were. I still wasn't in that moment. I was like, I'm good. You yeah. know, my hair is natural without the, um, <laughs> without the perm in it, but I'm going to still keep this flat iron on it. Like yeah. I'm going to continue to keep it straight. And then there was a moment where my cousin went natural. Okay. I have a lot of my sister cousin. So my cousin went natural and her hair was beautiful like gorgeous and so of course i'm like here goes i'm totally gonna go natural <laughs> it's gonna look like hers um and coming from a family my family i had come from a family who has beautiful hair i will say that so my grandmother had beautiful hair she could sit on it and when she growing up my mom's aunts all had beautiful hair and my sister and my cousins all have beautiful hair and so my mind was my thoughts says my thought process, excuse me, my mindset was like, yo, if she's going natural and it looks good on her, like I could go natural and you can look good on me. And I also went through a moment too where the flat iron straight hair wasn't really working for me anymore. Um when I would work out or if I did anything athletic or if I would sweat, I would sweat really heavy in my hair. And so it wouldn't last. And so I found myself doing my hair more and more, straighten it, yeah. and it would damage my hair. Um and so when I noticed that my cousin went natural, I was like, Oh, Yo, it's a wrap. I'm yeah. totally doing that. Um, however, that is not how it happened for me. And my hair did not turn out to look like hers, whatever, like whatsoever. So I went through this journey in 2017. 
of embracing my natural hair like curl pattern as well as not flat on it at all so like no heat no creamy crack none of that like let's just try these styles let's go on youtube let's contact like people who have natural hair and see what they did and my journey was difficult um so what, what i thought difficult? difficult meaning like um <laughs> when my hair was used to being straight so i had to of course go through a process of no more heat and then i had to figure out what natural hair products worked for me so i went through a season of trying maybe 10 different products and maybe like two of them worked mm. and i also didn't really know what i was doing so like i would go to my cousin saying hey you know like how did you do this and she went through a whole year of not touching her hair and her hair was beautiful I also went through a process of, um, I was at home at the time when this happened. My mom was like, yo, your hair, what's going on, sis? Like, I need you to get it straightened or do something too. And I was like, no. So was, was straightening the, was that like basically the standard in the household? It wasn't the standard. It was just what we were used to. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's what every, that's what y'all That's just what we did. Hair. Yeah. That's what, that's what we know. And so for me to stop straightening my hair and for me to embrace my natural hair, like curl pattern, that was not something that I, nobody normally did besides my cousin. And she went for it and it looked gorgeous again. That was my goal. So when I began, it started to shed a lot. Um, there was a lot of self-doubt and like moments that I felt like um, I wasn't pretty or I wasn't, I didn't like my hair like this or it wasn't cute. Like I forget it. I'm starting over. I'm not, I'm going back to straightening my hair. And then I kept pushing. And actually at the begin, this beginning phase, maybe like 2017, I want to say 2018, my cousin was like, you should document your journey. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not documenting. My, this, my hair looks a mess to me, right? Like one side's curly, one side's flat one size flaky it just it was just not mark it was it was terrible and mm-hmm. I wasn't confident enough in rocking it and so I was like no not doing it but could you just tell me what you did she dropped some gems she gave me some techniques and things I did everything she told me to how to wash it deep condition how to uh, what products to use it did not work <laughs> it just didn't work but I kept going I kept being persistent and I kept trying things. Um, and so there was one moment in 2018 where I did not do a big chop. Most people do a big chop where they cut their hair off completely. I did not do that because I didn't, I really liked my hair and I really thought that, you know, my hair made me a pretty person at that time. I didn't think I would look cute without it. Um, but I would say that I ended up getting it trimmed, just like some of the dead ends trimmed off and it started to curl. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> okay we got a curl we got a curl so yeah. my mindset was like okay if I keep going it's gonna get bigger and it will end up like my cousins that's literally what I thought I thought that that would be the end game and so I keep saying my cousin she has like a in hair terms you know for the hair culture like a a wavy kind of hair so maybe like a I consider myself a 4a 4b she might be like a 3b 3c she's just like it's it's like if you put water on, and she won't probably agree with me, but if you put water on this little product, it'll curl up. Mine's not doing that. You okay. put water on mine, look product, it might throw up a little bit, you know, but <laughs> might get a little wave, but yeah. it really wasn't what I desired. Um, but I kept going. I kept going. I kept going. I kept going. And then I realized that my hair got to a point where I really, I really 
enjoyed what it looked like. And I also liked how I looked and how I felt with my natural hair. I felt like I had went through this process of like shedding. I felt like I felt like I um really went through the season of rebirthing as far as like, yo, if you can do this, then you could do more things. And my goal really was like, I just want to see if I can get it to curl. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, it's more to just the curl. Like I'm really, really embracing who I am in this season and it feels good. Wow. I really, I really connect to that. Yeah. Like deeply. Um, this is my second time with locks. Yeah. Okay. Second. I didn't yeah. know that. I had locks. Um, I tried it in 2017 mm-hmm. and um, I was like kind of like freeforming it. So. What does that mean? I, you was just playing with it or? So freeform is like, so most people you see with locks, they, they have like designated places, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can see the individual lock and mm-hmm. it has a place that kind of grows from. And, mm-hmm. and that's because you separate it, you part separate it and get it twisted. In some kind of method, okay. whether it's two strand or, um, you know, palm rolling or, uh, you know, uh, one coil twist, whatever it is. Okay. At that time, I was doing, I would just kind of, um, when I had like a, a little fro. Sponge it. Yeah, I would do mm-hmm. I would, like the sponge. I always, that was before the sponge even really popped off. So I was okay. just doing a lot of like, you know, with your hand. If you okay. do a little circular pattern with your hand um, and your hair is like froed up and I have, you know, very tight coiled hair mm-hmm. so you do that it it locks pretty quickly yeah um and so eventually it locked and then once it locked it's you know it's, it's but again it's not you didn't separate it and twist it yeah. so your hair is locked in the sense where like it's it's locked from the sense where like all your hair particles are just tangled mm-hmm. but you don't have these individual spaces for them to grow. Mm-hmm. So they'll grow and they'll dread, mm-hmm. um, but they kind of dread like, uh, you know, however they do on mm-hmm. its own. Um, and so it looked very similar to like when J. Cole started his locks, mm. like very like kind of, and everyone was like, yo, what is that? Yeah. Like, but I, I very much so was kind of inspired by his journey. And like right around that time, he was talking a lot about, um, you know, not caring how you are physically, how you look yeah. and, yeah. You know, what's on the outside doesn't matter. What's on the inside matters and all yeah. that. And I was like really rocking with that. And then I eventually got tired of the process and I cut it. And I only lasted like a few months, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get through. Oh, I don't like the way I look. Yeah, and like, absolutely. You know, like I had gotten much better. I stopped really caring like what, what clothes I was wearing and like even the hair, like I was fine initially. Mm-hmm. But like when I really got to like this middle phase of like, it was just rough. I couldn't hold on to it mm. and I cut it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do it anymore or whatever. But it was always kind of my dream to truly grow my hair. Yeah. Like that was always the goal, like from growing up. And it took me, you know, a couple more years. And then eventually I was like, you know, what? I think I'm going to try it again. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I did a different method this time. I also cut the sides in the back of my hair because I felt like it was a healthy balance for okay. me um, because I didn't want the hair all over the place in the middle phase it just kind of was tough for me to go through mm-hmm. and I was like all right, if I do the top of my head I may be able to make it through this more um and making it to this point locks they say are very uh spiritual in nature mm-hmm. um one for like things with the energies and like all that which I don't know much about that stuff but I definitely know that it's a process that requires patience yeah because you only get a certain amount of growth each year. Yeah. And um and what your locks look like would be different from anyone else's, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And so 
there was a part of me that was like, I think the first time it was like, I need it. I need this to be at this level. I need to be able to tie it. Like, I want this. I want that. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't get that right away, it was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just cut it. Yeah. And there's been something about this process for me that also I feel like taught me, yo, bro, like you're, you're going through this process like for real, yeah. like you're sitting in it. And I went through hating how it looked, mm-hmm. but it was like all good because it was like, yo, I, I, I want to go through this. And mm-hmm. even now, like it's not it's still not at the length that like I want to be able mm-hmm. to tie it. Like that's like really what I want. Mm-hmm. And it's not there yet, but I'm getting really close. Yeah. And also I've gotten to the point now where like I'm like really enjoying it. And it's yeah. like, you know, I just really felt what you were saying about, yo, if I could do this, then I can do whatever, you yeah. know, it's like, Absolutely. are you going to sit down and commit to it? Even when it's not the way you want it to be, even when it's not the picture perfect end goal, would you go through that process? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely, for sure. And you can keep going, right? Like, embrace that journey because you can definitely learn something through that process. Yeah. Even if it doesn't look like what you want it to look like. I had to realize, too, like, this is what my hair looks like. This is who I am. And it's more than okay. Yeah. Like, I may not look like X, Y, and Z. Or I may not look like her on YouTube, but so what? Like, I love my natural hair and I love how I feel with it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I definitely agree with that. That's beautiful. Real. Mm-hmm. So the decision to decide to share it with people. Ooh. That came where I feel like uh, I wanted to share with people that it's okay to embrace your natural beauty and your natural curl pattern. And it's okay if it doesn't look like somebody else's. And so I thought to myself, like, yo, I do this every week anyway. And I enjoy it, so why not share it with people? And people have asked me before multiple times, like, yo, how you do your hair? How did you do this? And I wanted to be honest with them and say, like, this didn't happen overnight. So let me just go ahead and start. Let me start a YouTube channel. So my back to my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she definitely came to me and was like, yo, I help you. If you want to do this, mm. if you want to basically share with people your journey, your process, and who cares what the outcome may be, you know, I, I had to be told that even though there are a lot of people who have started YouTube, which, you know, I started the YouTube channel, um, I had to think about a name, I had to think about when I wanted, to, I was going to pre- um, create content and when I was going to share with the world, I, I had to realize that certain people have to hear my voice. Yeah. They want to have to have to see me do it in order for them to feel impacted. Whether that be a friend, a cousin, a daughter, a mom, a family, I had to realize that it wasn't about me and that I would love to share my journey with somebody and hopefully they'll feel inspired to just embrace their natural beauty and their natural curl pattern and, and who they naturally are and be okay with that. Yeah. Um, and feel confident in that. And so... November, I thought, okay, let me, let me just, let me start a YouTube channel. So I, I started researching names and trying to see like, how does this work? How does this work? This kind of fits. Um, I came across a post and it ended up being somebody talking to another girl who has beautiful hair and they were like, Hey girlfriend. Another girl was like, Hey girlfriend. I was like, Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like, I like, Hey girlfriend. Um, and so that kind of stuck with me. Like I kept saying, and I was like, I kind of like how that sounds. Let me check and see if anybody's used it. Mm. And so certain people had certain, like, I guess, use of the word. And many people with curls say, hey, curl friend often. But nobody had used it as a YouTube channel name. So I was like, bet. Let yeah. me go ahead and just kind of create this YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and then I started to list some different things I wanted to create. Like what kind of videos? What do I want it to look like? Or how do I want it to sound? And I really just, I kid you not, I just jumped. 
Because there was many moments of me, me, I'm a perfectionist and I want everything to be beautiful and I need it to be nice and it has to be a certain way. But I realized I didn't matter anymore. Like if I want to do something or if anybody wants to do something, just go for it. Just do it. And you'll figure out along the way how it would go, how you want it to be. Um, I just had to jump. Yeah. Like like I jumped to DC, right? Like I jumped to college or whatever the case may be. Like I had to jump and do a YouTube channel because it was something that I realized I wanted to do. I wanted to use my voice, my hair, um, who I was as an individual to inspire and impact people who have similar hair as me. So that was a moment too where I realized like, yo, I don't see a lot of girls who look like me. I don't see a lot of girls who have the same curl pattern as me. My goal is my cousin and we don't have the same hair at all. Mm -hmm. Like her hair is different and it's beautiful in a different way, but my hair will never look like that. So what does it look like for somebody who has like 4A, 4B hair to really embrace that yeah. um, and realize like your hair is beautiful. You are beautiful. This process, this journey you're going to go through is beautiful. So I started to create content. Um, I use my iPhone, hey. <laughs> right? I movie to, to record. I ended up buying a little ring light and I ended up saying, okay, let's go for it. And I use my iPhone to also edit it, you know, nice. like, I'm not the biggest editor, but thank you know, thankful for my family who supports me. My cousin edits a lot of my videos, and she's able to help me create a lot of the content to make it beautiful for my YouTube friends. But back in November, I dropped the video, my first one, and I've been trying to create content ever since. That's dope. Yeah. Congratulations on that, and thank you. I love the name, by the way. Thank you. I'm hey, glad girlfriend. you gave the story on that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Super dope. <laughs> um. I was curious to know, like, you know, you have this this real deep history of like, you know, an experience in trying to identify with yourself mm-hmm. in beauty mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not worrying about the impact or the opinions of other people that yeah. aren't yours. Right. Because like truly all that you can control is what's within. Yeah. And you've grappled with that for so long. Yeah. And I find it really dope that you're now at a place where you're embracing your beauty. Absolutely. And um, even helping other people Mm -hmm. realize the beauty within themselves. Mm -hmm. How important for you is it to ensure that um, people that may be struggling to identify with beauty in themselves, how Mm -hmm. important is it to you that you're, you're able to communicate a message to them to fully embrace themselves. Oh, it's definitely important for me. I think for them to truly realize that you are beautiful, no matter what people say, no matter what you experience, because we're going to go through things in life, right? People are going to have experiences. There are going to be moments where you are getting torn down and you're getting rebuilt back up, but you have to know within yourself, you know, that I am beautiful. I am gorgeous. I am an amazing, worthy authentic, strong woman or man, um, no matter what I go through, no matter what I experience. I believe, I think about my own journey and I've, I've been torn down many times and I definitely have had my family reaffirm me, but being able to reaffirm myself was important and yeah. being able to remind myself that, yeah, I went through this, but that's not going to make me who I am. You know, that's just a process. It's a part of my story. It's a moment that I had in my life that is just a part of the journey that I'm on, you know, and it's going to help build me and help create and develop this strong woman who is truly trying to let people know, like, you're going to have your own journeys and your own process. 
whether that be through your hair, whether that be through your beauty, but know that that's just a part of who you are. Yeah. You know, and remembering, like, regardless of what you go through, you are still an amazing person, for sure. And when you're you're in it, in the midst yeah. of it, right? Like, you went through kind of this phase of trying to, to see yourself as beautiful as you were starting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you had said that there were times you didn't even feel that mm-hmm. way as you were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that even while making the channel, yeah, even after establishing, okay, this is how I do my hair, whatever. Yeah. There may have been times where you're like, I don't know, like, you know, does this look good? I don't know if I look good, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're in the midst of it right then and there, what advice do you give to people? How do you get through those moments of the little doubt or the the insecurity about beauty? I think I had to continuously remind myself um, to not allow those thoughts to take over. And even moments of like, if I had a negative thought, okay, let's try to, to counteract that with a positive thought. You know, and kind of remind myself like, oh, like, yo, this video is going to be trash. Like, why would you do that? But like, but your other videos weren't trash or um, the content you produced in this other moment wasn't terrible. So like the self-doubt, like literally trying to counteract that with something positive. And then the process of also remembering where you've came from and where you are now. So being able to look back and reflect on those moments that kind of allow me to continue to push forward yeah. because they happen. You know, the juice kind of falls down sometimes. Sometimes I'm not as motivated. But I had to remind myself, like, yo, like, you really do enjoy doing this. So, like, share that with the world. Share that passion. Share that joy. Share that love and continue to be positive. Life is going to happen. But remember, you've already overcome a lot, you know, so continue to push forward. Yeah. And for those that haven't been able to identify that beauty in themselves, Mm -hmm. what do you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think... They have to really realize like they are worthy and they are beautiful despite what the world may look like, despite what people may say really deep down inside that you are loved, you know, and you are a beautiful person. Even if you don't look like what somebody looks like, if you don't look like the goals, if you don't have the goals that they haven't happened yet, it doesn't mean it won't happen. But truly embracing who you are is what's beautiful. And being completely comfortable in who you are and in that moment, whatever whatever that moment may be, that's beautiful. Yeah. Be there. Be present there. Because you're going to need that, you know what I'm saying, for what's to come. That's real. Yeah. Cool. The last thing I was, I was really curious about um, is, you know, what kind of challenges did you mm-hmm. encounter along this way in the journey of specifically creating this channel and, mm-hmm. you know, for a world, the world that we live in that. Is <laughs> all about, you know, uh, the traction that something gets. Um, when we really know the truth is that it's about the impact and the quality mm-hmm. of the work. Um, how do you balance the need to just create something that you know will be impactful with the world that makes you feel like, you know, it's all about how far out has the message made it? Mm. I think um, I had to make sure that I wasn't really comparing myself with other people. And really recentering myself to remember, like, why was I doing this in the first place? Like, Mm. what was the initial point? You know, what was your goal? Your goal was really to inspire and impact people to embrace their inner beauty and their curl pattern and their journey and their process. Um, And so really going back to that goal, because the challenges will come. You will have some self-doubt. You will have some moments of comparing yourself. But I had to also realize, too, in the the season of comparison, like, that's not my story. That's not my journey. I don't even know how people get to certain places, but and they don't know how I get to certain places. But I have to 
stay focused, stay persistent. Um, and if I do get to a moment like where I may fail, right, or something may not go as planned, push through that. Like, that's a learning process. Um, I heard this great quote, or I, I watched this great um, story by this guy, Ryan Leakes. Have you ever heard of him? No. He had a story, and I think it was basically about, like, how to pursue failure. Like, go after things that you know you may fail at. And so, recently, I've been really embracing that. Like, this video may not have come out how I wanted, or I may not have had certain views, but, like, who cares? Like, somebody's going to see it, and you're still doing something that is going to help someone. Yeah. And so, it, whether that be one person or no one, like, at the end of the day, you have to continue to em- just continue to push forward and embrace failure to learn something in that process. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be afraid of it. Dope. Yeah. So what's next as you look forward, you know, the, the podcast is all about this journey and road to (laughs) this boiling point, if you will. Mm. And, you know, as you think about what it could look like for you to hit that point where you're like, man, this is where I want to be, or I've exceeded where I thought I I would be, et cetera. And this is what's maybe next, the new goal. What, what comes to mind for you? That's a beautiful question. I would love, 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 love to see, hey, girlfriend, um, possibly getting like some sort of sponsorship, you know, or like a contract with a hair company. Hey. That would be so lit. Um, being the face of some sort of like hair product, as well as collaborating with some other major influencers within the hair industry. And then even, you know, if there's a product that could come from this, like a hair product where I could literally create something that could work for all curl patterns um, to make them and truly embrace their natural curl pattern, their inner beauty. Nice. I think that would be amazing. Hey. You know, little collaborations. I love it. <laughs> very, very dope. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you for dropping by. Thank you so much. Thank you for having um, me. For showing love and, and telling your story. I feel like I learned a lot and I know the listeners will too. So I appreciate it. Always appreciate your transparency. Um, do you want to give your information? How can people stay in contact? So my Instagram as well as my YouTube channel is Hey Curlfriend. So it's H-E with three Y's and then everything else is Curlfriend for sure. So totally, you know, subscribe, like, share, go on my page. I would love that. Give me some feedback. Like tell me what y'all want to see. You know, I think in this pandemic, it's really different as well. Mm -hmm. So just kind of give me some ideas of what you would like for me to do in my videos to help you in this process and journey bro thank you thank you peace and love thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of 99 celsius again i'm your host marco quay for updates on the pod Follow us on Instagram at 99celsius, all spelled out. New episodes air each and every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the pod with others. Until next time.